Welcome to Muffly Auto, a Harry Potter podcast where we fill your ears to prevent you from hearing nearby conversations. I'm Josh. And I'm Blake. And today we choose to open all our mail sent to us as soon as we get it and definitely don't let it fall into the hands of our restrictive uncle. We continue our journey through Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone and come now to the third chapter, The Letters from No One. And before we get into talking about that, Josh, did you want to summarize that chapter for us? Love to, Blake. We last left Harry at the mercy of the Dursleys after the incident at the zoo with the Brazilian boa constrictor. For his actions, Harry received his longest punishment yet, being banished to the cupboard under the stairs until the beginning of the summer holidays. As the holidays begin, there is talk of school for the boys in the upcoming autumn. Dudley will proudly become a member of his father's school, Smeltings, while Harry will attend the local high school, Stonewall. Harry is excited at the prospect of leaving Dudley and his gang behind and start afresh at his new school, but little does he know just how different his schooling will be. One day, a letter, a very unusual thing, arrives from for Mr. H. Potter, with the exact address even down to the cupboard under the stairs. This letter causes his uncle and aunt to react very strangely. At the same time, they are both fearful and somewhat kinder than normal. Harry receives the smallest bedroom upstairs as a result of their panic and confusion, but the letters keep coming. Eventually, to escape the letters, the family retreats to a rocky island in the sea, and our chapter ends with Harry's birthday countdown to his 11th year. The one thing that, uh, before we jump into kind of talking about themes, that I found uh, just so interesting about this chapter is how quickly it progresses. And maybe it, oh, yes. it wouldn't yeah. be as yeah. quickly as I'm thinking. It could be over maybe like a week. I know they, they have a Sunday and he's happy. Uh, yeah, right. Know, Mr. Mr. Uh, Dursley's happy it's a Sunday, no post on Sunday. But like <laughs> it surely is within two two weeks or something that he goes from being sick and tired of all these letters to then mm. packing up his family and moving them to just like this rocky island in the middle of the sea. And yeah. just how insane or how, I don't know, you just have to reach the end of your ropes in order to oh, yeah. pack your family up and get away from, you know, this sort of magical in invitation uh, that they clearly don't want Harry to have. Exactly. And I think the interaction between Vernon and Petunia really does show that, um, that, you know, maybe they weren't counting down to Harry's 11th birthday, but they certainly were prepared for something like this to happen. You know, there were, there was a look of it's happened when they got the letter rather than, you know, a complete surprise. It's, it's almost like fearful dread. And when it happened, you're so right. I think that's why it explodes so quickly. And yeah, he gets a gun. I mean, gets, come on. Oh, it's, like, just... <laughs> it's, it's a lot. It, it really is a lot. It, it really he is a lot. He is yeah. going a bit crazy. I mean, obviously, uh, yeah. Yeah, um, uh, Dudley can kind of see it uh, and Petunia yeah. can see it kind of, you know, dad's gone mad kind of thing. Yeah, there's um, that great line in the movie, right? Daddy's yes. gone mad. Yeah. Daddy's gone mad. And that's how British <laughs> accents uh, for everybody. Um, <laughs> but with the, uh, with the theme, uh, and I, I find this interesting, with the theme that we're we've got two but the us versus their mentality josh is normally uh something that we look at uh, from the magical world perspective and it's very much us a superior kind of magical uh people versus uh the kind of the muggles but this is actually kind of flipped around exactly right the most clear line of this in this chapter is where vernon says to petunia i'm not having one of them in the house petunia didn't we swear when we took him in we'd stamp out that dangerous nonsense 
Um, and, and that really is Vernon's mindset. And, and I think that if you look at um, how most wizards and witches feel about muggles, um, they're probably imagining in their head a muggle like Vernon Dursley. Um, you know, the, mm, there yeah. is a certain level of of fear and resentment from wizards in the fact that that humans, oh, push, um, th not that humans, but that muggles push them into hiding. Right. Um, yeah. And so even though, um, especially when you get to the pure blood conversations, many pure bloods feel incredibly superior to muggles. Um, yeah. There is still this fear of the unknown. Um, the 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 difference that is between them creates this huge separation, and it does become um, really uh, a separated and divided um, people group. Oh yeah, they've definitely been pushed out. Uh, mm. You know, they wanted to to remain sort of hidden for their own safety, as yes. well as also yeah. kind of the safety of the muggles. Even though I'm sure that they were probably thinking more so about self preservation. And one thing I remember, uh, and I, I believe it's in uh, The Prisoner of Azkaban in, in Chapter 1, is uh, Wendelin the Weird, uh, this eccentric British uh, witch who was famous for being burnt at the stake no less than 40 seven times in various disguises, mind you. But just the, the, the separation of obviously these, you know, the, the normal kind of muggles fearful of witches and what they do. And so, you know, back in, uh, I believe, kind of the 17th century around that time, they were, uh, you know, burning these magical beings, but it wasn't working. Obviously, people like Wendelin would just love to just kind of cast that sort of flame freezing charm on themselves and then just jump in and uh, have, a, have a good laugh with those witch burnings because apparently that didn't affect them. Exactly. And, and I think it is, it is funny that in, in Prisoner of Azkaban, um, Harry's reading his history book from, again, the, the wizarding perspective. And as he's going through that, um, to, to hear of, of a real historical phenomenon, you know, of, of witch burnings um, yeah. from this yeah. perspective. And, and the wizards and witches are laughing about it. You know, they think how, how silly, how stupid these muggles are that, that they thought that burning real <laughs> magical beings alive would actually do something. Um, yeah, and, and it, was, it was dark. I feel like a dark period it was, for, it was uh, a dark for human period. history. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And so it's interesting that they, um, that JK kind of twists that she and makes that. it yeah. like it's yeah. some kind of fluffy thing that some people yeah. just enjoyed. And clearly, you know, if you know magic, it would have no effect yeah. on you um, exactly and and yeah. the and the a bit darker reality that <laughs> if then that's true that the real witches and wizards escape the witch burnings then the success rate certainly was zero um, yes and that yeah. the people who were, were burned and died were not real witches or wizards um, yeah so so that was yeah exactly and and that does highlight the fact that um you know in those times all the way back to the um you know, medieval period, um, that there was perhaps a little bit more of an open relationship um, between um, wizards and, and muggles. Um, but at this point, um, the, the wizards have also removed themselves not only for for fear or being pushed out, but also for their own convenience. Um, we yeah. learn later on that um, it's a common thought that um, if, if it was a, an open secret that these, this wizarding world did exist that muggles would be seeking magical solutions for all their very basic problems. And yeah, yeah. And that it's almost like a, 
uh, a matter of of preserving their own busy schedules that the wizards re- remove themselves from muggle society um, but but what happens is is that while the first generation might have um, many contacts across enemy lines so to speak um, the the more generations that pass since the secrecy act was uh, brought into place um, it, it is something where it certainly appears that each generation of witches and wizards are, are further and further removed from muggles in some wizarding families um, mm. where, where there is no contact. Uh, they are the enemy. And it does really show um, this in this chapter that for muggles who do know about it, they might feel the exact same way, but in reverse. Yeah. Yeah. And there's fear that comes from that, right? Certainly. Fear, fear of the unknown and also fear, um, I think, from Vernon's p- position, fear because he's no longer in control. Um, yeah. he, he knows, Harry does not yet at this point, but he knows that if Harry truly is a wizard, um, he very quickly is going to be able to control and manipulate the situation in a way that Vernon is not going to be able to combat. Um, yeah. Any, any kind of stories he's heard from Petunia um, about Harry and, uh, sorry, about James and about Lily um, will will have been enough for him to know that soon his 11 year old nephew um, is not going to listen to his barking orders. If, if he really is magical. Yeah. He's going to lose control. And I feel like that's something that, that Vernon just loves is that kind of control and knowledge over everything. And obviously as soon as Harry throws a wrench in that with his sort of developing magic, those outbursts of magic, when they happen for Harry and Harry has no idea he's in the dark. He, you know, he has no idea magic exists, but Vernon, and, and, you know, I feel like Mr. and Mrs. Dursley would be able to see those things and be like, oh, look at each other with those kind of eyes yes. and be like, was yes. that one of those times? Like, was that one of those magical, you know, things if they yeah. if heard about how that works? Um, exactly. Uh, yeah. well, why was yeah. there no glass on the floor um, in, in the boa constrictor um, exhibit at the zoo? Yeah. You know, the glass yeah. disappears, right? There's yeah. no way that Harry could have done that. And, and I think you're exactly right. I think that the older that Harry got, the more Petunia especially would have begun to see the signs. Um, just yeah. unexplainable things. And I think, you, you know, as you as you look back at um, at the second chapter, when it talks about how, you know, Harry's hair grew back after receiving that haircut or how that uh, ugly sweater continued to shrink, the, the reaction of Vernon and Petunia is is so angry and so uh, upset in a way that doesn't really make sense for those minor things. It, it must be mm-hmm. that they were embarrassed that they did not have control over his even his haircut. Um, and and some kind of fear yeah. <laughs> that they were um, already being um, exposed to this magical presence. I, I think you're exactly right. And and yeah. like this this fear expresses itself in a very practical way, where they do not allow Harry to read his letters. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like that's nuts. Like just not allowing someone to to read their letter that just doesn't make sense to me. And I you know uh, we've just mentioned you know. Mr. Dursley and his control kind of wanting everything. Uh, he knows that now the letters come from, you know, Hogwarts, um, mm. which we, we learn soon in the next chapter, but just not allowing Harry to have that letter. And I was thinking about it and I'd be interested to get your take on this. I, I noted down, Harry has never really had anything before uh, for his, his own. Uh, and this letter is the one of the first things if not kind of the first thing like he's never he said he never received mail with his you know address to him and um just from you know all of the um the little things that jk puts in about 
how Harry has nothing as own. It's all second hand. He doesn't even, you know, get his own bedroom. He gets covered under the stairs. Uh, doesn't even know, get his own school uniform. He doesn't even get his own school uniform. He gets wet, soppy gray kind of elephant skins, elephant skins. Exactly. <laughs> and so this letter really is like this first thing that almost identifies Harry in his existence. Uh, as a, as a unique kind of, person, you know, rather yeah. than this kind of awkward extension of the Dursley family. Um, yeah, ex- exactly. exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll, we'll talk about the the letter itself a, a little bit later on uh, with kind of how it was addressed. But just, yeah, noting that Harry's never had anything and uh, the fact that Vernon is willing to just like take that away from Harry, uh, even out of, you know, fear for, you know, the whole normality and, and opening Harry up to this world because he thinks he could stomp this magic out of the boy. Uh, it's mm. just, it's so hard. And I mean, that's, uh, we don't get much character development in the way of new characters and things like that in this chapter, but just, I mean, we see that with the Dursley family and with Mr. and uh, uh, Mrs. Dursley really just, restricting a you know someone's mail and like i guess freedom to have that yeah and and i think too the the thing we need to remember is that as they are committing a crime which you know mail <laughs> that's so true and, yep. um, as as they yep. continue to do that they are justifying it because they are so convinced that stamping this magic out of harry is the best thing for him and and the greater good that they continue to move on um yep. they will stop at nothing vernon will even I think which which is even greater for him than stealing mail. Vernon will even go to the lengths of you know endangering and making his family uncomfortable, which oh, seems like yeah. seems like Dudley's never been uncomfortable a day in his life. Um, no, <laughs> in order to try and stamp out this magic, and and that is how far they will go. They are so committed um, to their normal life, to their um, cookie cutter existence that that this yeah. just completely throws a wrench into the works. And and I was thinking it shows a lot of their selfishness um, yeah. as uh, parents uh, as well as uncle and auntie. Like they're focused on themselves uh, all mm. the time. And when it comes down to it, even with their own son, with Dudley and how he wants to read the letters and how he wants to kind of, you know, which this is like the first time that they've really actually as parents – maybe done a good job of parenting, even though they're, <laughs> they're not good parents, but uh, just <laughs> saying no uh, to Dudley yeah, to that's the point right. where he's now whacking Dudley's them never heard those two head. letters before no, together. No, they, it's like, you know, I'll cry, I'll do this, I'll do this. But but whatever Dudley did, he didn't get the letter. And it, it really just came down to Mr. and Mrs. Dursley. They did it for themselves. Definitely. Um, and in addition to the the Dursley family um, being shown in a bit more clear light to us once again, uh, we also see just a little glimmer of another character that we'll come to know and love later on, mm-hmm. uh, Mrs. Fig. Now, Mrs. Mm-hmm. Fig, the the very uh, mysterious, very um, reclusive neighbor <laughs> to the Dursleys, uh, she will come into much greater stardom later on in the books in Harry Potter and the... Uh, Order of the Phoenix, Mrs. Fig will be shown for who she really is, a squib. Yeah. Um, but right now, all we see is that Mrs. Fig is showing Harry some greater kindness. Um, and we also mm. learn later on um, in, in that book that now Mrs. Fig felt that she always needed to be careful with how much kindness she showed Harry so that yeah. the Dursleys would continue sending him there. How terrible is that? That they, they even make sure that, <laughs> yeah. you know, with, with Harry's babysitter that, that she must be mean. 
Yeah, they're um, already having fun with whatever the Dursleys are going off and doing. So it's almost exactly. like just give them to a responsible adult. Even if Harry's having fun, whoop-de-doo, you're going out and he's exactly. not in the home to, to, you know, and I put this in quote, wreck your home or like have it yeah. torn to pieces when by the time they get home, which would obviously not happen. But yeah. just, yeah. It's, but that's not good enough. It has to be that Harry no. not only is not coming everywhere. on the family trip, but he's having a miserable time. <laughs> And, and as I read this, um, I'll, I'll just read a little quote here. It says, um, Mrs. Fig wasn't as bad as usual. It turned out that she'd broken her leg tripping over one of her cats, and she didn't mm. seem quite as fond of them as before. She let Harry watch television and gave him a bit of chocolate cake that tasted as though she'd had it for several years. Um, oh, and, and so you know, this is introduced to us as one day in July. Um, so yeah. we are right now in the middle of the English summer. And, and I can't help but wonder, you know, had – Mrs. Fig heard about the boa incident. Um, had mm. she uh, heard about Harry's, you know, long stay in the cupboard under the stairs, and did she know that Harry's eleventh birthday was upcoming? Um, surely the Wizarding World would have been at least somewhat aware yeah. that you know, eleven years was was starting to pass from the birth of the the one Definitely. who defeated he who shall not be named. Um, it, it would have been you know roughly a decade since um, that that famous. Um, yeah, people, surely people would be keeping track of that, and at, at least with, some... with with ten year anniversary celebrations or something, right? You know, yeah, there's got to be years. exactly, and then and then there might be an article say, you know, Harry uh, wherever he is uh, next exactly. year is yeah. going to Hogwarts yeah. or something like that. Yeah, some, yeah, yeah. Some sort of magical. Maybe Rita Skeeton will learn about her later <laughs> on. Maybe she wrote some kind of piece, uh, uh, you know, for Daily Prophet yeah, yeah. about that uh, about Harry potentially returning into the magical society in the world. World, but no, there's not many people that know that Harry's in that position and where. No, no, he's he's disappeared. Yeah, um, and he's stayed out of the limelight. That. And and we'll see that later in the next chapter. How um, how Hagrid is mm. completely bewildered that Harry doesn't know about his own world, um, our world. He says, um, and and so that'll be the a recurring theme as Harry is introduced back into his home world. Um, yeah. is that everyone knows him. Everybody knows his name. People recognize him even, and he has no idea what's going on. Yeah. And then as the chapter progresses, the amount of letters that oh, are coming incredible. in to the house. Uh, I think the movie does a, a great job at kind of showing, you know, the multitude of just pouring down the chimney and, and coming through the letterbox. And, 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 and it gives us a pretty great uh, a gif of, of Harry, you know, trying to grab a letter <laughs> as it's falling from the sky while there's yeah. hundreds of letters on the ground around him. So, yes, you know, there's you can't forget that the, moment. It's one of those things where I'm pretty sure there's a there's a game show or something where you jump in a, a tube or something and there's yeah, money blowing right. around you and you've got to catch the money. <laughs> and I know it's probably against the rules, but just look on the ground. There's a bunch of money there. Just pick yeah. it up and yeah, take yeah. a letter off the ground, Harry. I mean, I, all you'd have to do, and again, this isn't in the book. I don't think he has that. He doesn't seem to have that close of access to letters in the book. Yes. But, yeah. you know, imagining yourself in the movie situation, all you need to do, Harry, is grab a letter real quick and then look like you're still looking for a letter. You know, keep jumping yep. to the sky and yeah. and your uncle's going to think you don't have one yet. Well, run anyway. out of the house and just, I mean, do you think <laughs> things are going to be running after you? Harry, you're nimble, you're little. You know, yeah, Vernon on. is how big, right? Yeah, uh, you know, it's it would be shaking the ground as he as he ran yeah, and yeah. it would only be a couple of steps, surely. But uh, yeah, it's this, it's this letter and we uh, alluded 
alluded to it a little bit earlier, but where is this uh, letter addressed to Josh? So yes, this letter is addressed very, very specifically. It's addressed to Mr. H. Potter, the cupboard under the stairs for Privet Drive, Little Whinging, Surrey. Yeah. Creepy. No. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And and as as they um as they first read that, as uh Petunia and, and Vernon read that, you know, they're so aware that these people know where he sleeps even. Um, yeah. they they're they're afraid that they're watching. Um mm. they're they're stalking, they're doing these things. And of course we come to know that in a way they kind of and, work keeping track of Harry, but, yep, but it's also yep. more due to their um, much deeper knowledge of the whole situation that they are aware of this. Yeah. Um, but, and I, I just want to quickly talk about that kind of keeping track of Harry. Mm. Um, just as a side note, before we get into talking yeah. about uh, how those letters are delivered, because that's really interesting in the wizarding world, but yeah. it's this, this idea of the trace, and we learn that this is a specific thing in the magical world for under 17s, underage wizards. And um, we learn this in uh, book seven, actually. Uh, so it's a, a long way off till we kind of get an idea and, of what. And other places is. throughout. Dobby in, in Chamber of Secrets, how Dobby does his bit of magic, and Harry gets in trouble for it. Yeah, and then after that, we see it in um, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, where he blows up Aunt Marge and uh, <laughs> later rides the night bus, and the minister meets him to discuss this. Um, but, yeah. but most clearly, the biggest incident is is without a doubt in uh, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, where Harry casts his Dementor charm and, and actually faces trial for his um, use of magic um, yeah. to defend himself. So this idea of, of wizards being unable to use their magic at home until they are 17 um, also puts us in an interesting situation for those wizards who are younger than 11, who have not received any official training yet. Um, and, and you can think to yourself, you know, as Harry would have exhibited some magical ability, um, like Harry's um, hair growth, like his um, sweater shrinking, like his winding up on the top of the roof, and like the most recent incident, the boa constrictor, the Ministry mm. of Magic would have been keeping tabs on him at least as many as those incidents and probably more. Um, they would have received these kind of magical wavelengths going through their universe that would have let them know that Harry is still alive and well, he is a magical being, and, and that he is growing up into a wizard. One of the things I was thinking about with this trace is that they they kind of knew where Harry was sleeping and where he was. And I wasn't sure if that was because of the trace or if that was because of kind of the the reconnaissance that, you know, uh, Dumbledore had had taken and he knew exactly where they that uh, he slept. Um, I'm not too sure what you think on that, whether it was the trace yeah, well, itself. I think I think as you speak of that that reconnaissance, um, it, it's probably very much connected also to Mrs. Fig, right? Yeah. Um, you know, the, the fact that she is kind of the the low-key spy in the situation that is is there um, keeping an eye on things, checking in with Harry, making sure he's still alive, um, all those all those things. 
And one of the things I was thinking of when I was looking at this is I had pictured like the trace be some kind of map, you know, almost like another room mm. uh, in the Ministry of Magic deep down in their dungeons. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, one of those secrets where you walk into this room and it's almost got like a map of everything, sort of like holographic projection. And there's all these little dots. And, you know, somewhere in this, you know, little house on, on Privadrite, there's this one dot and that's Harry and they can see that he's sleeping in the cupboard. But I don't think that's yeah. the, I don't think they're that accurate. With, <laughs> it's uh, it's what kind of like, is. You, you can almost picture it. It's kind of like the Marauder's map, but on, yes. a, on a grand scale, right? A bit more 3D, you know, it's, it's yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. high dimension so they can see he's under the, uh, under the, uh, yeah, the cupboard under the yeah. stairs. And, uh, but I do think, yeah, it's probably more so um, uh, for the fact that uh, there, there've been people have probably been watching him uh he's he's probably mentioned i'm wondering if he's mentioned it to uh, mrs fig but anyway, yeah that's a great point uh, Interesting. yeah 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 definitely um, definitely worth thinking and and connected to this incredible accuracy with the letters um are just a few other things that are connected to the magic of letter delivery and owls themselves mm, yeah um and and i've just got a few interesting little uh quotes here to read blake that that give us an insight more into these magical creatures and their use in the wizarding world of harry potter um, nice. owls owls are the main form of delivery for the wizarding world um they deliver everything from packages to letters um to uh this very important of letters uh you're accepting mm -hmm. to hogwarts yeah you don't um, want that up. from from the wizarding world website itself this is a quote um so numerous are the owls employed by wizards worldwide that it is generally safe to assume that virtually all of them are either the property of the owl postal service of their country or of an individual witch or wizard how bizarre is that every wow. single owl you see is under the employ of wizards i mean next time i go to a zoo i am just i'm just gonna have some shifty eyes because i'm gonna be like all right new zealand you know come yeah, on yeah exactly uh, yeah <laughs> Man, that's crazy because just the, to think that like the magical community almost has uh, the whole monopoly of an yes, exactly. entire species of, uh, you know, bird. like that's nuts. And, and the fact that they can, you know, have them uh, to do kind of their bidding, I don't, just magically prone, to, I guess. Well, and you have to think too of, you know, how in in more uh, in more ancient times and, and you know, throughout um, the years, there's been things like, carrier pigeons and and you can just imagine yeah. you can just imagine how the wizarding world must have scoffed at muggles trying to do things <laughs> with carrier pigeons when they had these owls that would deliver things yeah. with perfect accuracy right yeah, oh, yeah. Um, and and one of the things that is also interesting about the use of owls is that the the muggle world and um and and the the way that people in in that world think about owls is they're often referred to thought of as being somewhat of a spooky creature um a creature mm. of the night, um, a bird of prey, not exactly the bird you want to get close to. And then so this this natural kind of uh, tendency away from owls really gives the wizarding world um, free control to to continue to use them without any hindrance. Um, you can almost imagine, you know, if 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 the best uh, post delivering bird was a chicken, 
you know, the wizarding world would have to constantly deal with um, muggles eating their chickens or, or doing things like that. But uh, because they're, yes. they're afraid of owls and they don't really like owls, um, they're completely free to use them. That's good. I'm just picturing uh, a whole bunch of uh, chickens perching out, like in the movie, uh, the first movie with all the owls outside <laughs> the Dursley's home. I'm just picturing a bunch of chickens yeah. all over the place. Uh, yeah, it would be a pretty slow postal service if you were relying on chickens, would flying, be. you know, three meters yeah. at a time and then touching down. Um, yeah. <laughs> and 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 you know I do joke about chickens, but um, but owls are a very uh, famous magical creature. Um, yeah. J.K. Rowling, explaining her choice to use owls, said owls have been associated with magic for a long time and feature in many old illustrations of witches and wizards. Second, mm-hmm. only to cats as the most magical creature. The owl's yeah. association with wisdom was established in Roman times, for it is the el- emblem of Minerva, the goddess of wisdom. Yeah, a little interesting thing right there. Yeah, and just again, as as we'll come to know once Harry opens his school supply list for Hogwarts, um, he is able to bring either a cat, an owl, a rat, or a toad. Um, Ugh, as, could bring as, a toad, right, George? Could bring a toad. <laughs> so out of style, right? Um, so out of style. Yeah, and so these magical uh, creatures do have a, a special uh, connection to their witch or wizard. Um, and and in, in addition to the the owls themselves being amazing creatures used for this purpose um we also see here uh dumbledore's incredible accuracy in in sending his owl letters yeah yeah right to you know very very specific where that address is addressed Mm. yeah and and i think what's interesting is that um for for a good owl you actually don't need to put the address on it um you know yeah when Harry is sending letters to Sirius, when Sirius is um, off in hiding, um, especially in um, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, um, <clears throat> he doesn't need to write where Sirius is and he doesn't know where Sirius is. Um, exactly. And, and yet it, it's almost as if Dumbledore is doing this kind of flex here that I, I know exactly where you are. I've taken a, a personal interest in you and yes. I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, being kind of courteous and kind that, you know, I'm going to give you this much notice. Right? Yeah. Like like Harry is at the burrow uh, at the Weasley household yeah. and, you know, Dumbledore knows that Dumbledore he's knows. there. He knows. Uh, it makes me think back to the end of this uh, book uh, where uh, Harry um, who's just kind of finished beating Voldemort, uh, I believe is in the infirmary. Uh, and he, uh, he says this, he's a funny man, Dumbledore. I think he sort of wanted to give me a chance. I think he knows more or less everything that goes on, here, <laughs> you know, and, and it's, you know, so Dumbledore knows, and it's almost just like this, every single book, you could say Dumbledore knows he just, he's a man of knowledge. Certainly. Uh, in, in addition to this huge introduction of owls, um, and we haven't met our favorite owl of all yet, Ooh, yeah, uh, very yet. soon we will meet Hedwig. We also just, I just want to briefly point out um, that, that we see quite a, a comical event here uh, when J.K. Rowling is really taking the mickey out and making fun of this uh, muggle school called Smeltings. Um, yeah. and, and this is... Um, a British public school. Now, public school in the United Kingdom um, means something different to what it means in most places in the world. A public school is actually where you pay to go to school. And so it would be a school like Eton or like rugby school. Um, these are the most prestigious schools yes, in, yeah. in England. And and Dudley's, just everything about Dudley's school, from his uniform to his stick, um, yeah. she she is just really having her tongue in her cheek as she is writing this. And, and you can't help but laugh. 
Um, whereas, you know, as Dudley is acting, it very quickly becomes clear that he is the fool for going to this school. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's just hilarious. And, and for some reason, if you do not get that the Dursleys uh, favor their child, uh, I think you can look <laughs> at this moment of where they're going to school and the fact that they do yeah. not you know, have the cash to to bring Harry into the school as well, but he's just going to the local comprehensive school. It just, it's just sad. You know, you do see yeah. it here that they really are divided, that they don't think Harry's in the same league as their son. They don't treat him as their son, but he's going to the exactly. Stonewall High uh, with this, you know, elephant skin uniform of Dudley's that, you know, is just nasty looking. Um, and Harry doesn't know why is wet. But yeah, it's just one of those things that you go, really, that is, oh, yeah. you are horrible to Harry. And- and it's it's just another reminder, Blake, that you know that Vernon is not Harry's father, um, mm-hmm. and and that Harry actually will go to his father's school, um, which we'll come to find out in the next chapter. And and as we move on from this idea of our our new information about the Wizarding World, um, let, let's talk for a bit about some literary devices in this chapter. Um, one of the major things that we see here is suspense. Um, we as the reader do not yet know what the letter says. We don't know what the giant H crest stands for Uh, and there's just so much of us that is portrayed by harry harry really is Mm. us in this chapter and we are harry we are the one jumping for those letters and we're like let us read it um and vernon just will not give us the letter and as the reader we have no idea what's going on yeah, we're excited. You know, what is the H stand for? What does it mean? What you know, they they go to such detail in describing this letter, mm, and yes. you, you just go, okay, well, yeah, I want to open it too. You know, Harry, pick, grab yeah. a letter, quick, quick, quick. And so we, you know, we're happy in the next chapter when Harry does get that letter, and we're happy with him because we're like, yeah, we want to read what is inside of it. Mm. Exactly. Um, and, and then after that suspense, we also see a, a fair amount of hyperbole in this chapter. Um, just this extreme exaggeration, um, you know, letters upon letters upon letters flying through the, the, the mail slot, um, letters following Harry to the hotel that they stay in for the one night. Um, oh, and then in yeah. the next chapter, even a letter following him to the rock. Um, yeah. island where they are staying and and just this incredible almost laughable comical um exaggerated behavior by vernon dursley um you know his his frantic driving his buying a gun um you know this is all exaggerated behavior to show us who he really is um it's it's not as though this chapter introduces us to something that is brand new for vernon vernon's not changing but vernon is getting exposed and he's getting exposed through his exaggerated actions yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, it's just, it's it's crazy the way Vernon reacts and he, you know, drives back and forth. Oh, that'll shake him off, you know, <laughs> smarter than the, the magic folk. He, and it, he just it, has no idea what wizards or magic is like, right? He just... <laughs> Yeah, it's just, oh, that'll shake him off. I've, I've shake him, you know, yeah. Like they're almost following in the car behind him or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that oh, doesn't man. make sense. Uh, and then we come, Josh, to foreshadowing. And I think there's there's really only one big thing to talk about here, and that would be Harry's resilience. And it contrasts with Dudley's. Certainly. Um, as we think about Harry's life and as we think about Harry's life as preparation for the things he will later face, we actually find out that his mistreatment by the Dursleys is, is incredible preparation and training for yeah. his later yeah. trials in life. Um, and and just again contrasting that with Dudley, Dudley is having the worst time of his life. For Harry, <laughs> it's not exactly a normal day, uh, but no, it's it's not too far. It's an adventure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's at he's at least leaving the cupboard. Um, <laughs> 
and and we we see that in um, it, towards the end of the series in in Harry Potter and the Half Blood Prince, uh, when Dumbledore comes to collect Harry for the school year and to go to Horace Slughorn, um, mm. his house, we see that. Dumbledore really confronts the Dursleys on this issue. And he says to them, you did not do as I asked. You never treated Harry as a son. He has known nothing but neglect and often cruelty at your hands. The yeah. best that can be said is that he has at least escaped the appalling damage you have inflicted upon the unfortunate boy sitting between you. Yeah. And the Dursleys wow. are shocked. They say us mystery matters and they don't understand they don't understand how their spoiling and coddling of their child has led to him being a a child with no resilience no um no kind of moral character or fiber um whereas thankfully harry's mistreatment has worked out for some good even if we can still say the mistreatment was terrible Mm, yeah that's oh man that's so bad that's so bad Mm. and we don't don't we see this resilience in the last book in that great kind of I guess, a climax of the story where they're going on this sort of journey to, you know, get the Horcruxes to beat Voldemort. And we see it with Ron. Yeah, definitely. Um, as as we think about their their camping trip, as it is um, <laughs> affectionately called, um, and, and we think about how much of a struggle uh, it is for them to find food and to eat and, and all those other things. It's it's very clearly talked about how, how Ron um, grew up going from his mother's cooking to the cooking of the Hogwarts elves. And, and he has never known an empty belly a day in his life. Yeah. Um, and, and even for Hermione, as much as Hermione has lived what seems like a normal childhood with good parents, um, she too has never known this kind of neglect. But, but for Harry, it's, it's going back to his roots. He's yeah. known this kind of hunger. Hunger is not... He's prepared for it. Yeah, exactly. Hunger is not something that he has to fight in the same way that his peers do. Um, yeah. It, it doesn't it require extra strength kind of as it were. Yeah. Which is just, it's just wonderful writing. It's just really yes. wonderful yeah. kind of character building just on yeah. JK's part. It just. And, and to bring that through at oh, multiple points. Yeah, exactly. Definitely. So, so amazing. All right. So bringing, bringing things to a close, um, we, we see throughout this chapter, as we really consider this chapter's place in the book and in the broader Harry Potter story um, that, Uncle Vernon and Aunt Petunia know something that Harry doesn't, um, and they are scared of this thing that they know. Um, we will see much more revealed later on, but this chapter does oh, yeah. set us up for oh yeah, so much to come. I'm I'm really looking forward to next chapter just because we, uh, yeah, like I think I mentioned before, it's the turning point, um, and Harry just gets this huge revelation. Uh, so very, very excited to jump into that with you uh, next time, Josh. Uh, but for those listening, we would honestly love to hear your feedback. So please head over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from and leave a review. Your reviews help keep the magic alive. To continue the adventure, join us next time as we discuss the fourth chapter of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, The Keeper of the Keys.